0: You're listening to The Thriving Mom Podcast. I'm life and nutrition coach, Imeh Uguta, and I'm here to help you create the motherhood of your dreams without sacrificing your health and well-being. On this podcast, we dive into mindset, strategy, and skills that will help you stop surviving and start thriving in the beautiful chaos that is motherhood. Are you ready, mama? Let's journey together. Hello, 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 thriving moms. Welcome to today's podcast. How are you? I'm feeling really excited about today's topic, but also I'm feeling a little bit drab. I've been struggling quite a bit with the weather. And for those of you who don't know, I live in Canada's Northwest Territories and we do get long winters. Sometimes we barely see the sun. And this past week was one of those. So we only had maybe a few hours of sun over two days. And I'm someone who tends to get seasonal affective disorder. I've been really good at managing it. But somehow this year has just not been my best. Or I should say the past few weeks. So this week, I actually ordered a sad lamp. It's a light therapy lamp that you can just put. And it's supposed to like mimic the sunlight and help you to feel good. So we'll see what, what what that does for me in the coming weeks. I also moved to a new position uh, within the company that I work for. And my office where I sit doesn't face the sun anymore. So I definitely miss having to think that the sun is going to come up on my window because that's not going to happen. I'll just see it reflected across the sky, but it'll be good. So I'm very excited about my lamp. Can't wait. So today we're talking all about what happens. When you think that you are failing. And I really wanted to talk about this because I've been seeing a lot of, you know, posts about getting your goals in the new year and working towards what you want to achieve. And those are all good things. I really appreciate that we're taking effort and making strides towards what we want. But I also want you to be proactive in addressing that thought. I'm failing. Because when we start having that thought, that's typically when we really start to fail. (laughs) And I'm going to talk about it as we continue on the podcast. But I really just wanted to preface the episode with that. So to start us off, I just want to define failure within our context. I'm such a bookworm, and I always like for people to be on the same page before we start talking because I don't want your brain running all over the place. According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, failure is the omission of occurrence or performance. It's also a lack of success. It's also falling short. It's also, if you think about a person, one that has failed. Now, all these meanings, they look similar. But as I was thinking about this podcast and just sitting with them, I realized that this is where many of us miss looking at failure in totality. We tend to focus on the meaning that it is a lack of success and one that has failed. So what do I mean? When you say that you failed at something, what is your initial reaction? For many of us, it's like, I want to hide. I don't want to talk about it. And if you follow Brene Brown, you will know that this is very characteristic of shame. And Brene Brown defines shame as an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we're flawed and therefore, very important here, therefore, unworthy of love and belonging. Now, when you're feeling shame and thinking that you are flawed, you own and become failure. This is where you notice you start to say things like, I'm a failure. I always fail. I never get things right. Or any form of that kind of thinking. And then you mess yourself up because now you've taken on the self image of failure. And self image is what defines who you are and your place in the world. So when you're walking around with the self image of, I'm a failure, it's no wonder you find it challenging to see failure for what it really is, or what lesson it's trying to teach you, or what you could potentially use it to create in the world, because when you really start to see failure for what it really is, it's just falling short or an omission of occurrence or performance. And so this means in order for you to fail, there has to be an expectation or standard. And guess what? Somebody created that expectation and standard, which is often tied to some kind of system or culture like diet culture, mom culture, hustle culture, white supremacy, racism, and all forms of isms that were created to rank and other people. So I'm going to say that again. In order for you to fail, there has to be an expectation or a standard that is tied to a culture that you're trying to adhere to. And typically, this is so that you can finally feel worthy of love and belonging. When you recognize this, it is very liberating. It is very liberating for you because you can sit with the discomfort of knowing that this is what you've been taught to do. It's no wonder you keep striving and working hard and doing all the things. And then you can choose to let it go and choose to be the creator of your life by shedding what no longer aligns with who you want to be in this world. For me, I think this is so important for us to recognize as women because we're always bombarded daily with what we should or shouldn't do. I remember reading an article last year. I can't remember what the article or the form of media was, but I came across this idea of double failure and how it impacts women across all walks of life. And the idea is that women today, we're aware of unrealistic expectations placed upon us, right? Like body image, motherhood, gender identity, and just like figuring out your place in society. Yet we still struggle with the idea of not achieving those standards. Can you relate? (laughs) So then your failure appears on two levels because you feel like you failed or you think you failed to reach the standard. But then you also fail because you're thinking, I should know better and therefore do better. So I shouldn't really be subscribing to this standard. But if you listen to the podcast from last week, you'll know that knowing better doesn't always mean that you're going to do better. And we even do this to ourselves when we decide to change for the better. I remember coaching a lady last year who wanted to heal her relationship with her body. She's been working on this for years and she felt like she had failed because she didn't like her body, right? So she was pushing back against body image and diet culture, but she was also thinking that she failed because she thought that she shouldn't be thinking that she hated her body. So then she was afraid to admit to herself that she didn't like the body that she has. And as I was coaching her, we uncovered that it was the deep-seated belief that she didn't like her body. So for her, that moment was so liberating. I think according to her, she said she just felt like this pressure lift off of her shoulders. And that's the magic of recognizing how these standards tend to play and keep us stuck, right? So because we were able to uncover this, she could think clearly about her relationship with her body. She could finally take the steps that she needed to do that work. And this brings me to my first way of addressing this thought. When you think that you're failing, you must tell yourself the truth. You must be willing to tell yourself the truth. Be very frank to yourself and say the thing that you know deep down you want to say about your situation, whether it be your, your relationships or your motherhood experience, your children, your relationship with food and your body. Tell yourself the truth. You don't need to share it on social media or anyone. You can just write it down on a sheet of paper. You can say it into your voice recorder, speak it out loud, and hear yourself say it. And then watch what happens when you do. I'm going to tell you here that it can feel really raw and scary, almost like you're naked. (laughs) And I think there's so much value here in having a coach because when you're working with a coach, they can hold space for you to feel naked without judging your nakedness. They can see the pain of you realizing this is what I really feel about this thing that I think I shouldn't be feeling this way about. They can hold that space for you without judgment. And they can help you and coach you through that experience. Because I find this with my clients, once we're able to uncork these hidden things, Everything just flows so much easier for them, and then it gets them the breakthrough that they need. But the work doesn't happen until they tell themselves the truth. And then my next point is quite radical, but I want you to stay with me here. It's just recognizing that this is normal. It makes total sense for you to think that you're a failure and that failure is terrible. And then it also makes sense for you to say, nope, I'm not going to try it again. I don't want to do it again. It's completely normal. Now, when you fail, you think you're the only one, right? You think you're the only one who's bad at doing this thing. You're the only one who can't figure out how to eat properly. You're the only one who is struggling with her body. You're the only one whose kids are throwing tantrums, whose kids don't sit still, and because you think that you're the only one, it makes so much sense for you to worry about what other people will think, because in your mind, you're the only one. Nobody else is experiencing this. So I want you to really normalize and notice how much sense this makes. So for me, one thing I'm working on this year is learning to trust my intuition and just allowing myself to receive instead of always going after and doing things to get things done. I'm very much a doer by nature and it's been very helpful for me throughout my life. It's brought me so much opportunity, so many opportunities. It's given me so many experiences that many people just sit and they're like, "Oh, I wish I could do that." But as I've gotten older and I'm also really wanting to step into the possibility of who I could be in this world and the impact that I want to have, I'm finding that I'm being called to rest even more <laughs> and do less. <laughs> which my brain is not on board. I will tell you, it's been very fascinating watching my brain just fight me on this. And I remember the other day I was journaling. Then I remembered this time when I was in primary school, I think that would be about grade three in North America, where it was our final exam. And then our headmistress looked me in the eye and she told me, you know, you didn't quite make it, right? So I didn't make the top three in our class. And I was the fourth. So my face didn't get to go on the school calendar. (laughs) And I was so devastated. Now I'm laughing about it. But back then it felt like I was going to die. In that moment, the message that I got was you have to work harder than everybody else to be the best. And as a black woman living in a world I find that I adopted that mentality and I even made it more because when I came to Canada and noticing just the way the system works, I thought, well, definitely I have to work twice, if not more times than my peers, because the color of my skin already is like a block to a lot of people. They're not going to get past the color of my skin. So I have to do even more to help them miss that. And I think this is where coaching has been very valuable for me because I've learned to not do that anymore. I've learned to let that go and just let me be human and let my humanness speak for me. So now I'm just filled with so much love and compassion towards the part of me that is a fighter, that is a hustler that has to fight so hard. I'm also teaching her that it's okay to not have to work and fight so hard to get things done. I'm teaching her that it's okay to have fun and play. I even remembered there were times when I would not go outside and play with my friends because I was so busy studying and reading and trying to get ahead. And I'd wake up at night and study and read to get ahead. And I missed out on so much. But I'm also grateful for that woman or that child, that girl. She's the one who brought me here. And now I'm like, it's okay. I got this. We don't have to be so serious because guess what? Things always work out the way they're supposed to work out. I know this because there are times when I've worked extra hard. And then when I get to the end, I'm like, I could have done like half the effort and it would have still worked out fine. I'm sure so many of you can relate to this, especially if you're a firstborn child. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. And this brings me to my third point, which is just having compassion for the parts of you that worry about failing. Really, just sit with her. What is she afraid of? Can you create space for her to be seen without trying to change her? What would that look like? This is something you can journal on and just give yourself room to explore. Next, you want to acknowledge that you're innately worthy. Listen, you are divinely created and unique in your own way, which is why nobody else has the same DNA as you. And that means. Your worth is constant. There's nothing you can do, nothing you can say, no way you can be to make you less or more worthy than you already are. And if this makes you feel uncomfortable, then I want you to see this as an invitation to dig deeper into why that is. I want to bet that there's a layer of shame that's there because you've tried to fit into the mold of some standard or culture So that you can finally feel worthy of love and belonging. And I see this a lot with my clients who have religious backgrounds. And I've got to say that religion does not equate your relationship with God. Religion is a man-made construct. And what I found helpful for me to keep me sane is recognizing that I'm responsible for the relationship that I have with God. And that's all that matters. So whatever doctrine that is being taught is questionable. And I get to decide how I want to engage with it and whether or not I even want to. Again, your worth is not defined by how well you abide by a standard or a structure because those change. Those are man-created and they ebb and flow. And if you doubt me, just go and Google beauty standards through the years and you'll see a prime example of what I'm talking about. Next, you want to redefine your thoughts and how you feel about failure. And the only way to do this is to know what standards are for you. What are your standards when it comes to how you want to live your life, how you want to move about your day? This is so important because the world is always going to offer what they think you should be doing and who they think you should be. And I find that if you don't know what your standards are, if you don't define what your values are, if you don't define what your vision is for your life, you're going to always find yourself in this push-pull space, right? So many of us find ourselves stuck between this mixed messaging that you should conform to societal norms, yet you don't know what to do when you show up unapologetically and then you get pushed back. Right. So many of you who've probably come into my circle in the last couple of weeks, you probably heard me talk a lot about people pleasing. Right. What happens when you stop people pleasing and people get mad at you? They get mad at your boundaries. We're told to take care of ourselves, to just chill, let things be. But then people frown upon you not keeping a tidy home. Right. Right. There are always going to be these extremes, and you're the one who needs to decide where do I fall in that? Do I even want to participate in that? Because without knowing your standards, you'll always find yourself falling short of someone else's standard and feeling that shame because you'll never feel like you're worthy of love and belonging. So I want to offer here that it's totally normal to care about what other people think. This is how we've survived. This is what makes us feel safe. This is what makes us feel secure. It's a form of self-preservation. And I also want you to notice when is it no longer serving you and how can you let it go and do something about it? And finally, just give yourself permission to fail. (laughs) Here's what I mean. So I've been in groups where people are like, rename failure, you're not failing, you're growing. I've even said this, and I think it all comes from a good place. But something I noticed that I want to share with you, because it's a very sneaky thought. Notice when you're renaming failure, because the word failure makes you feel uncomfortable, (laughs) right? Because if it makes you feel uncomfortable, then that's indication that there's room to explore what's there. It might be that you're hiding, which is fine. It might be that there's a little bit of shame and a little bit of fear around that word failure and what it means about you. But you really want to be onto your brain because when you think about it, what does failure mean? If you really go back to what does failure mean? It's an omission of occurrence or performance, It is falling short. And if that's what it means, then could it be possible that failure is an opportunity for growth for you, an opportunity for expansion, an opportunity for learning? And when you see it this way, you can choose not to reject and abandon yourself. You can choose not to feel disappointed in yourself. You can choose to acknowledge, oh, I fell short of that. Okay. How can I learn from this and how can I try again? And I think this is where we all want to be. We all want to be able to look at failure and not make it mean anything about us and our worth and our sense of receiving love and belonging and feeling worthy. That's the work. When you think you're failing, notice what's driving that thought, get curious about it, and redefine how you want to see it. Now, for the clients that I support, I'm really good at walking my clients through their fear of failure, because I think this is one of the things that holds us back, right? So our work in, our, in my one-on-one coaching container is to help them and equip them with the tools to look at failure, see where it's holding them back, and then equipping them with the tools to help them go after their big dreams without letting that shame, without letting that fear get in the way of that. And I'd love to help you do the same. It just starts with the free consult call to learn more about you and your unique circumstance. And then together we create a plan to help you go from just dreaming about what you don't have, wishing you had, to actually getting that thing that you want with ease. So you can go to my website. It's oliveandbliss.ca forward slash coaching to learn more about me and how I can support you. I'll also include the link in the show notes. And I can't wait to chat with you. Have a beautiful week, my friends. And remember, you're innately worthy. And you cannot do anything more or less to change that. Your worth is constant. We'll chat next week. And until then, keep thriving. Thanks for hanging out with me. If you enjoyed this episode, I want you to take that word deeper and implement one thing that you learned this week. And if you'd like to take this work further, come work with me inside my coaching program. You can go to oliveandbliss.ca to learn all about me and how I can support you.